the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Says this is for my glory, out of all the voices calling out to me. Welcome to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks for listening. We're having a quite a day down here at the studio. We had a lightning strike that took out... Uh, the power. They're doing a great job getting us back on uh, the air. So thanks for being with us. Uh, I got a great story to tell because I've got Rob Decker and Eric Sanders uh, with me from Sanctuary Church on the west side. And probably a month ago, you guys were here and we had a, another lightning strike and we lost the show. So you guys are powerful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely sure. starting to think the common denominator is Rob and I. <laughs> yeah, We're electrifying. You guys are. So thanks for coming back. Oh man, we're, I honestly, Eric, I'm so honored to be here. I just, uh, I love what you do. I love what you represent with your church, with your program here. Um, I listen to you periodically, and I, I just got to tell you one thing that I really, really appreciate about you is the way that you guide conversations and, and even the studies that you do. Just back, you're so Christ centric. Mm-hmm. You're, you're so cross centric, and and there's a lot of pastors out there anymore that do radio programs and stuff that it kind of becomes pop psychology mm. but i just really appreciate that and and the way your church leads the way with christ first oh thanks eric that, so, that means a ton and yeah. you know as i've been thinking about today's show i've been really excited about it and one thing i've enjoyed about this is getting to know both of you guys better and i would love to hear more of your story you know how'd you come to know christ where did you grow up and and those type of things so so rob we'll let you go first you know oh, you just tell out the gates yeah huh? the big question <laughs> you know tough, tough story so where I grew up and how I came to Christ. Um, I grew up in Northern California. Uh, I was born into a, uh, my mom was a single mom. She was encouraged to have an abortion and she didn't. Thank mm. you, mom. Yeah. Not that you're listening, but thank you. Um, um, and then she met my father and, and um, my mom got pregnant, had my sister, they got married. And um, there was always great division in my house. Okay. Um, you know, I was, I was the other kid. So when I was five years old, I found out that my dad wasn't my real dad. Wow. Yeah. So they, they told me I came home with a, a certification or a, a diploma from kindergarten and it had his last name on it. And so that day they chose to tell me that I wasn't one of them. Okay. Which, you know, you can only imagine what that does to a five-year-old or a six-year-old, yeah. right? Over the next few years, you know, I just watched the drugs, the alcohol, the violence in my home. Hmm. When I was about eight years old, I was molested by a, a, a young boy on my street. Hmm. Um, and his dad was friends with my dad. My dad was very Marine, you Hmm. know, alpha tough guy. We don't share certain things. Right. Um, and I got introduced to drugs and alcohol about 14 years old and I used it as a, a great escape for me. But then eventually I created some bad habits and became thoroughly addicted to masking my pain. Um, I, I can't tell you what my twenties were like. I don't mm. remember. Okay. Um, when I was 29 years old, I was dating a young lady and she 
accused me of rape and attempted murder, which led me to a suicide attempt and led me to Jesus. Mm. Um, I ended up severing my spine. Um, doctor said I'd probably never walk again. Um, but the Lord showed up in the hospital. Wow. And not only did he say I would walk again, he said that my bills would be paid and all the charges would be dropped. Mm. And over time, all those things came. Yeah, time out there, though. Oh, oh here we go. This guy's heard my story. No, no okay. but I mean, <laughs> I think that's, there's parts of your story that I know you're kind of skipping over, I maybe am. for the sake of time. But, for the sake of time. But you know, there's a, there's a big gap there between a suicide temp and a severed spine. Mm. And um, what caused that severed spine in that time in the hospital is also, I think, really important because uh, it's part of your new book that's coming out, and I'm excited about that. But what drove you from being accused of something to wanting to end your life, and how did you make that attempt, and how did God falter that attempt? Oh, you want to? You want me to talk about the actual jump? Is that what you're asking me? Oh, to you do? jumped out of something. Oh, I jumped. Oh, that's what you're saying. That's what, <laughs> that's what he's okay. See, this guy's heard my story. Um, ultimately, what happened was I I was dating this young woman. And I had recently gotten saved. Um, my life was just in shambles. I was a drug dealer. I was an alcoholic. I, I didn't have a, a job. My buddy convinced me to come to a Bible study, and I got saved. Shortly after that, I got reinvolved with a young lady because you know how the enemy works, right? And I felt like I needed to play Jesus in her life and save her from the lifestyle she was living. And that lifestyle was she was an escort. And um, I was trying to pull her from that. Well, um, we were hanging out at her apartment one night and, and the agreement was like, she was going to walk away from that lifestyle, but we were hanging out and, and, uh, we got into a kind of a heated debate and, and she looked at me and she said, um, um, the cops had shown up to the, to the door. There was a banging at the door and I asked who it was and she said it was the police. And, and I told them that you raped me and tried to kill me. Hmm. And at that moment, um, I just, it was over for me, even though I had just recently been saved. Um, hmm. my life up to that point was just, it just, it made no sense. And so in a moment of betrayal and hopelessness and fear, um, and, and a part of that too was when I was being raised, I was told that I was going to be dead or in prison by the time I was 30. So hmm. this was actually eight days after my 29th birthday. Okay. So it was like this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah. And so in that moment, it was almost like I had a peace in the midst of this fear of like, this is what's supposed to happen anyway. This is the way I'm going out. And so I turned and made a bolt out of a closed third-story loft window with the intention of snapping my neck and mm. killing myself. Instead, when I broke through that window, I clipped an awning. It changed my fall. Mm. I landed on my spine side which shattered my left arm collapsed my left lung severed my spine mm. and broke my right wrist wow that's what happened thank you eric yeah thank god, you. god spared a, your life yeah he spared my life he spared my life and you know within those first few days um she ended up showing up at the hospital so i was under 24-hour surveillance at this point right um mm. the cops come in they hit me with these charges after my suicide attempt uh. right add insult to injury right kick a horse while it's down and um, they shackle me to the bed while I have tubes coming out of my neck. And I mean, it was just, it was so chaotic. And, um, you know, I had this 24 hour surveillance. And I remember a nurse coming in because I started, I started crying. There was an officer that was basically like 
watching over me. So the 24 hour surveillance. And, yeah. And he kept grilling me and he said, you're going to go to prison. You're a bad person. Like, and I broke down and, um, and you know, I told the officer, I said, you know, I've done a lot of bad stuff in my life and I had, I'd done yeah. a lot of bad stuff in my life, but that's just not something that I would have done. And a nurse comes in to, to calm me down because she didn't want my blood pressure to go up. I just had a bunch of blood transfusion. Big, yeah. I mean, I your, lost your so life much. was in jeopardy at that point. It was, yeah. it was. And guess who walks in the door? The young lady walks in the door and the officer, I mean, everything about his demeanor just changed. And he looks at me and he goes, well, you know, for her to come in after those kind of accusations, like that kind of doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, she, he escorted the young lady out and later that night I was praying and mm. I was asking the Lord, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. And that's when he, he showed up, you know, the amount of pain I was in and medication, like there was no clarity in the fear that I was living in and the brokenness. And I just got this piece that consumed me and I hear the charges will be dropped. Your bills will be paid and mm. you will walk again. Wow. And all those things happen. Wow. Um, within, powerful. within days, the cops came in, dropped the charges. Within two weeks, I had a few surgeries, and I was able to stand on my own two feet again. And dra- At least I was able to drag my leg. Yeah. I wasn't so much able to walk so much, but walk enough, right? It was walking yeah. enough. And as far as my bills getting paid, after $2 million of physical therapy, hospital stays, pain medication, wow. all of it, I've never had to pay a dime. Wow. Yeah, so the God... That, so. Jesus is very real. I get an yeah. amen. Yeah, I get an amen. amen. That's, that's, awesome. what I, that's just one of those that's things so I powerful. absolutely love about Rob's story is that no matter how bad decisions you have made in your life, yeah. no matter how far down in the gutter you feel, like God can change your trajectory. That's he right. Supernaturally can do that. He is always for us. He is. You've never done so much, so wrong that he still can't change your life. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. And thank you for getting me to I, I really was trying to cut some corners to give you guys the platform to, to do your thing you know and that was so, great yeah. thanks Rob yeah you listen to Crosswalk with Pastor Eric Cartier Rob Decker Eric Sanders we're headed to do a break stay with us we'll be right back Grace lives here 100.7 the word Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Hope you're doing well, enjoying the rain that God's been providing for us. Really enjoying today's show. We're live in studio. Eric Sanders is with me and Rob Decker. They're from the Sanctuary Church. God is really blessing their church. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to thesanctuarywestside.org. Rob, thanks so much for sharing your story uh, with us. Really powerful. Absolutely. God redeems. Uh, he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's That's done just that scratching the surface, too. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more. Yeah, there is. Well, Eric, I'd love to hear a bit of your background and about your family, how you came to know Christ. I'm and... pretty much a Colorado boy. Okay. Uh, so I moved here Are you when native? I was one. You're one. one That's close old. enough. Yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of feel like I got grafted in somehow. Yeah. Grew up in Colorado Springs, but I've also lived in Loveland, Colorado. Got my, P, uh, my master's degree at Colorado State University. Okay. Um, but my dad worked for Hill Packard here. Okay. And so we did move around a bit. And uh, when I was 16, uh, we moved to Vancouver, Washington for a yeah. short stint. And that was when my mom actually came to Christ. So I was mm. a pretty unchurched kid. 
Okay. Just uh, your white suburban middle class kid. Yeah. Enjoyed bicycles and skateboards, you know. And, yeah. And she came to Christ, and then that kind of started this little thing of us uh, having to go to church every once in a while, and we were trying out a lot of crazy churches. And but at one point, I just remember she found a church she absolutely loved, and we started attending a little more. And it was a Calvary Chapel in Vancouver, Washington. Okay. Um, pastored by a guy named Bill Ritchie. Yeah, I. When I was there. It was a church plant. Okay. Just met in high school. Wow. But I remember at one point, uh, you know, I didn't really come to Christ right away, but at one point this guest speaker came, and he was teaching on uh, prophecies and and stuff, and I was just enamored, Hmm. not really with all the end time stuff he was saying. I was enamored with how real the Bible was to him. Hmm. And so after that meeting, this guy named mm. Chuck Smith was talking. Mm. I went up to my youth pastor, and I said, you know, I think I want to become a Christian. Wow. That was a fairly non-eventful eventful conversion, because yeah. I could tell my youth pastor wouldn't go hang out with uh, Chuck Smith and the other big pastor guys. And so he pulled out this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws, and I think in two minutes— he was like, well, here, let's just read this real fast. Oh, yeah, now read this little prayer at the end, and you're going to be a Christian. <laughs> Folded it up, and uh, then he went to be with the big dogs. It went on and I'm way. like, okay, I guess I'm a Christian now. And But I got to tell you, I went home. I told my mom, hey, I became a Christian. She was mm. thrilled. Something actually changed inside of me. Wow. Like Jesus still met me in this this awkward moment, and the Word of God just Came to life for me. Wow. I started teaching a Bible study within six weeks at my school. Hmm. And faculty members started attending it. Hmm. And so there was a certain maybe anointing on my life to be a teacher. But but it was uh, my, what I, the problem started then in my life where I didn't realize there was a difference between gifts and character. Okay. And so a lot of the character things that weren't healthy in me from, part of my you know childhood or just decisions I had made, my own growing sexual addiction uh, back then as a teenager. It just, those things kind of continued, but on the surface, I looked like I really had it together. Mm. I knew the Bible. When I got to college uh, at Colorado State University, I led a ministry that had almost okay. 300 students in it. Wow. And yet I still had this thing inside of me that wanted to go live like the token heathens I'd evangelized during the week every once in a while. I just didn't yeah. want to have to be so nice. Yeah. I didn't want to have to be so pure. Right. And um, I also really struggle a lot with high-risk behaviors uh, just because I needed adrenaline in my life. Mm. And so uh, my life actually collapsed halfway through college mm. when I met a girl at a bar. We, mm. uh, we went out, and I, of course, chose a bar I knew Christians wouldn't go to. Mm. And we went back to her place, and we had sex. And mm. she, uh, when it was all over, she was crying. Mm. And she looked at me and said five words that absolutely changed my life. Mm. She said, I thought you were different. Mm. And in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit just mm. peeled back the darkness in that room and exposed a sinner. Mm. And that sinner wasn't her. Mm. And I realized that she had just started attending the ministry that I was leading. Mm. And she's having a really hard time reconciling mm. the Jesus in me she saw on Wednesday nights with mm. the one that had just tried to sleep with her. 
Pardon mm. me, Jesus, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, that brought me into my own recovery process. Wow. And confession and and just mm. learning a lot about addiction. And since then, I have pastored uh, recovery churches. I've worked on the margins forever. Yeah. But, but it, you know, poses a, a strong question to me that I kind of live with with a lot of people these days. And, and that is, you know, the question we have is like, what price is your addiction going to cost me? Mm. Uh, sometimes we think about our own personal lives, and there's a high cost there. But, but addiction, there's a price of commission in addiction, right? That that it costs the things that we do to others, the mm. the the lies, the cheating, the things like that. But there's also the cost of omission with our addiction or our sins, the things mm. we stop doing, we stop mm-hmm. loving, stop paying attention to people around us, we stop living with integrity. Yeah. And the real the real question we need to ask is not about you know what is the price of commission or omission but it's really like when are you going to have admission? Right. When are you going to actually just be real with yourself and others and say yeah. I got a problem? Yeah. And sometimes you don't always have to hit rock bottom to get there. Yeah. Um the Holy Spirit is always trying to communicate a message and wanting to make us more and more whole and so uh I I live a life of gratitude right now. Every mm-hmm. time I get to preach every time I stand in front of uh, the the island of misfit toys that I pastor, <laughs> I just can't believe that God trusted me again. Mm. Uh, when I have my wife and I see my kids, mm. the fact that He trusted me mm. with an incredible woman, um, mm. I just I just have so much gratitude. And, mm. and so part of working so much on the margins is to try to communicate that same message of hope and. But God's not mad at you. Like yeah. you've made mistakes, but He's for you. Yeah, He wants to move your life forward. Yeah. So I hang out with a lot of people that have hit bottom somehow. Yeah. And, like, a little, uh, like jumping out of windows and hitting. Jumping out of windows and hitting awnings and then hitting the bottom. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Bottom right. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so it really seems like those are two big things we really miss: is that God really does love us, even though a lot of times we know it up here, or even share it with others. We really struggle believing that he loves us and that then that we can be honest, that we can be honest with God. We can be honest with with brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's when God really does the breakthrough when we do agree with God and and confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to confess to one another and pray for one another. Absolutely. But where do we lose that, especially in church culture? Like, yeah, we've lost. When do we start hiding and keeping secrets? Yeah. and secrets, and again, um, I have a PhD in marriage and family therapy, but I was a human sexuality professor for years, and so I've heard a lot of secrets. Yeah. But I, when does when do we stop feeling safe enough in churches that we just can't be honest about that, right? Right. And, um, you know, we're so busy trying to fix each other. Mm. I think as John Lynch, uh, the author one time, said, what if it was more important that you didn't, that we didn't fix each other but that we didn't have to have a secret around each other. Right, right? yeah. Um, and and I think if we can create safe cultures within our church that that communicates this message, God's not mad at you, he loves you, you're safe here. Yeah. And uh, I think recovery groups do that, and that's yeah. why I'm so uh, sold on them. I'd really like to come to that back to that more after the break, because I know— you've really worked to create that culture at the Sanctuary Church, and I'd love to hear more about that. So you're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Uh, Please stay with us. We're talking about being open, honest, transparent, 
We'll be right back in just a few moments. Also want to remind you that this does turn into a podcast. If you go to Crosswalk Colorado Springs, uh, you will find the podcast anywhere you listen uh, to podcasts, any uh, platforms. Also, Rob and Eric are going to be with me next Wednesday as well. And we're going to take uh, questions and prayer requests. So if your life has been touched by addiction or someone that you love, we would love to, to hear from you. So make sure to be with us uh, next week. Again, we're headed to a break and we'll be right back with more with Rob and Eric. You are here. Moving in our Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Got Eric Sanders and Rob Decker with me from the Sanctuary Church. Just prior to the break, we were talking about the importance of being open and honest with God and also with each other, how we've really lost that as a church a culture. It's just so easy to wear the mask, pretend like I'm doing good. Even sometimes people will pointedly ask us that we trust, hey, how are you doing? And we guard, we guard it, right? And Absolutely. I know at the Sanctuary Church, God has really used you guys and your leadership team to create a different culture, a culture of, of openness and honesty where the, the gospel then comes in and Christ brings redemption. But how did, how did that take place and how did you cultivate it? How do you keep it? Yeah, I think part of it's been a, a little bit of a risky move for us uh, in having leadership as well that we don't want secrets with each other and that yeah. you're not at risk for losing a job. Yeah. If uh, I mean, obviously, there's certain things that you're going to lose your job, right, if right. you're illegal or whatever. Yeah. But, but your normal struggles, like in life, yeah. uh, those things aren't going to cost you a job. As a matter of fact... I tried to build our initial leadership team less on people's natural giftings. I wasn't recruiting around that. I was yeah. recruiting on people's willingness to be transparent. Mm. And good. if I could see somebody who was transparent and teachable and had a bent towards worship or a bent towards teaching or whatever, right. those were the people I went after first. And, yeah. and from uh, Sanctuary Church is about eight years old at this point. And we still, when somebody's elevated to what I'd say is like a pastoral level, they have to give their testimony to our tribe, mm. and that testimony has to be present tense. Mm. So it's not, this is how God rescued me, and praise God, I'm a saint now. Yeah. It's, this is what God has rescued me from, but this is things I still struggle with. Mm. Like, I'm in the trenches with you. We're not, we're not above you. And that, that's made a big difference. Yeah. The other thing I think that really has been a surprise impact is we put together a welcome card or like an invite card early on in our church plant that at this point, eight years later, we still read every single Sunday. Mm. My recovery people, when we travel and speak, or if I speak at a conference, we still read this card. And it's based on uh, what my what my mentor years ago, uh, many people have heard this from Brennan Manning, that God loves you as you are and not as you should be mm. because none of us is as we should be. So if we start with that posture hmm. that you don't have to pretend God yeah. still loves you, but then we read a card that says, you know, if you are a saint or a sinner, if you're a loser or a winner, if you're abused or an abuser, if you're a whore, a gambler, lost, fearful, ADHD, if you're a bastard, a liar, a cutter, a tweaker, if you're divorced, adopted, abandoned, LGBT, old, young, if you're pierced and tatted, infected, rejected, or you just feel like a misfit, you are welcome here. Hmm. 
because God loves you as you are and not as you should be. Hmm. What what has happened over time is those are the kind of people that God is bringing. Hmm. And they actually are taking us at our word. Hmm. The other significant thing, and I think this parallels, again, why I admire you so much, Eric, is uh, I am very, very Christ-centric in my life. Yeah. Um, though I have a PhD in counseling and I work a lot with trauma victims and things like that, I, I just have never seen anything more powerful than the cross of Christ. That's right. I think we have undersold it in evangelicalism. Mm, I think that we have um, minimized it to a decoration mm. and not a declaration. Mm. A declaration of freedom, a declaration of uh, your, the payment has been made. Yeah. Uh, you know, I heard a phrase a while back that the same cross that saves you solves you. No, that's good. And we have a we have at the front of our sanctuary a, a giant cross that has become kind of almost I, I don't want to use the word like mysterious, but people come on Sundays now and they'll ask where's the cross? Mm. Like they're not here for my great teaching or you know yeah. they just immediately want to where's that cross that I hear? Yeah. And next to that cross we have what we call a treasure chest. It's just an old luggage trunk. Yeah. And we started off like maybe you've done at church camps before. Uh, you, we had pieces of paper up there. If you want to go write your burden and leave it at the cross, that's a great exercise to do. Yeah. And people were writing pieces of paper and saying things that they had done wrong. But then we started finding uh, heroin in there mm. and needles in there. Uh, last week, I just flushed a, um, probably eight ounces of marijuana. Um, we've found, you know, I, I see, I have a giant one pound bag of M&Ms in there right now and <laughs> sex toys mm. and uh, some uh, marijuana pipes. Mm. Like people are literally at a point now that they believe that something can happen if they leave their burden at the cross. Mm. And I think their faith meets Christ's compassion there every mm. single week. I just pulled a a machete out of there that looked like it had been used for more than cutting down weeds. Mm. Um, I found wedding rings in there. Mm. I found people's ashes in there. Mm. There's something about the cross mm. when we, when people feel safe enough mm. to bring their stuff. Yeah. And they know first that they're not going to be met by an elder brother. You're right. going to condemn them at the door. Yeah. And they're going to meet, with the love of the father who meets them there at the cross yeah, and they're going to be okay. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how to explain it. And mm. I, you know, it's not even like I could write a, a book on here's the 10 steps to right. doing that. Um, but a lot of it is posture of the people. Yeah. And it's the message of the cross that has got to be out there all the time. Yeah. And I sense even as you're talking right now, Eric, that that's God's heart for us right now. You know, like there's, the three of us sit here with our struggles. Everybody listening has their struggles. And we've got a choice. Like, we can bring it to Christ. We can believe the power of the cross, or we can continue to hide. And God wants to change this culture of don't ask, don't tell. You know? Absolutely. And it, That's so good. It, it starts with each of us individually opening up with, with Christ and mm. a believer that we can trust. You know, and if you if you don't have that, take the risk of of calling a church, you know, call the sanctuary church, Carl RMC, but break out of that secrecy and well, let so God good. do, do that, do that work and, and really set you free, you know? Yeah. It, it's, 
Yeah. Yeah. So Alpha. people, you know, and literally, I, I think sometimes um, we're just a, a beautiful disaster. <laughs> I like Sanctuary that. Church, but, you know, we, we've really focused on the margin, the people that just have not felt comfortable in other places. And, you know, at this point, we church starts for us at 9 a.m. when we feed. Last week, we fed 245 of our homeless neighbors. Hmm. And we have, we just developed a new shower facility. So we have four shower stalls and we have barbers that donate their time to cut hair. So it's like this giant party in the back lot there. Um, so church starts for us by serving the margins. Hmm. And then worship starts at 10 a.m. when we go there and recognize the power of the cross. Hmm. And uh, it, it's a little bit crazy and it smells funny a lot, but it's a mix of all those kind of people from that card that we read. So people can come, get a haircut, get a shower, get some food, hear about Christ, yeah. experience the love of Christ. Yeah. It's powerful. And they can sit next to some normal people you know, yeah. who just want to love Jesus too. So. Yeah. 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 So posture, I think, becomes so important and, and talking about safety and, and opportunities like that. And that's part of the reason that we love sitting here and Rob and I love to share stories yeah. because addiction and mental health drive people into the shadows when it really should be elevating people to the cross. Oh, right. Yeah. That's and right. we want that message out there. And we are so thankful that, you know, you've given us time to, to share that. And I, I know so many people from Rocky Mountain Calvary who express the same things Hmm. like they just have they've fallen in love with jesus and Hmm. they want to get the word out yeah I really appreciate you guys coming in and your willingness to come again next Wednesday and hopefully no lightning strikes. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and w- next Wednesday, we're going to open it up for questions, for texts. We-, we would love to hear from the community, Colorado Springs, how addictions touched your life, but also that there's hope uh, in Christ. So thanks, guys, for coming. Looking forward to uh, next Wednesday. So, Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a great night. And know, just as we've talked about, that you are loved by the Lord. And he's with you. He died for you. He rose again. And he's with us. So we'll be back uh, next week. Take care. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.